Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hi there, it's Kevin Lindsay, host of Systems and Cybernetics here on the New Books Network. Wow, it's been a minute. I'm definitely happy to be back here with you talking about systems and cybernetics. It's been a while. I had a several months long break, lots going on in the world and in my own life, but it's definitely time to get back here and getting some conversations going again. Lots of new books in the pipeline, and I'm happy to be in the space once again to do some serious reading and to have the privilege of talking to some amazing authors. One of those authors of whom I'm a big fan is Tony Hodgson. After meeting Tony for the first time when I interviewed him on his book, Systems Thinking for a Turbulent World, I had the chance to take a couple of courses with him and his colleagues at H3Uni, where he is founding trustee and lead researcher. So it's been a while um, since we talked, three years. That was mid-2020. There was a lot happening in the world then, as is the case now. Um, Let me tell you a little bit more about Tony. He, in addition to being very active with H3Uni and busy writing books, he's also an honorary research fellow at University of Dundee and a world modeling coordinator at the International Futures Forum. He comes from an extensive background in systems application and consulting and has a decades-long interest in Eastern traditions and their intersection with systems thinking. Tony's current work explores more of the personal resilience realm, and in our talk, he gives us a little taste of his most recent book, but you're going to have to wait a little while to hear more about that. Um, The book is called Being Who You Really Are, and uh, we'll talk about that on a future episode. I'm I'm hoping. So now on to my conversation with Anthony Hodgson. Hi, Tony. How are you today? Hi, Kevin. Um, I'm pretty good, thanks. Yeah, it's uh, good to be in touch with you again. Well, it's great to be in touch with you. And I want to say welcome back to the New Books Network. It was a little more than three years ago that you and I got together. In fact, it was my very, very first time uh, recording a podcast episode on the New Books Network. 
and we met and talked about your book, Systems Thinking for a Turbulent World. And uh, so it's hard to believe that it's been three years since we had that conversation. It certainly is, yes. So, you know, a lot has happened uh, in the world. Um, We're in the, I guess, the hottest period of of the COVID-19 pandemic at that time, as we think back. And um, first of all, before we jump into the, the conversation, why don't you just talk a little bit about what you've been thinking about and what you've been working on over the last three years since we last talked? I've been very uh, concerned with <clears throat> the difficulty of getting the kind of um, facilitation and uh, collaborative methods that uh, I've been working on with my my close colleagues uh, into the um, into education. Um, to sort of put it, um, sum it up in in a kind of anecdotal way, uh, being kicked out of three business schools um, uh, for for uh, t- trying to get futures thinking and systems thinking and um, uh, better ways of visual facilitation. So um, the last time was. Um, with a professor um, at the Manchester Business School, uh, this was about five years ago, um, who was very keen on getting um, some of um, my stuff into the uh, into the school. He was professor of strategy, um, and uh, it coincided with the time when a new um, principal was appointed who was um, very definitely um, of the uh, add up the money school and um, with a couple of friends I'd gone along to Manchester to um, get started uh, and uh, to be told well um Yes, I have a budget, but apparently it's not accessible, whatever that means. <laughs> so um, the following morning over coffee, um, we were kind of, um, you know, as one does debriefing, and um, and I, I kind of uh, I, slightly exploded I think I said look this is absolutely ridiculous um, uh, tertiary education is broken we'll have to start our own university and thought no more of it and then two of my colleagues pestered me and said well aren't we going to have the next meeting then and and took it seriously um, so that's how um, this idea of um, uh, H3Uni, the University for the Third Horizon, came in because we, we linked it to, with the um, futures thinking that particularly Bill Sharp and I had done on on the uh, Three Horizons um, method um, and then introduced a whole bunch of other techniques which um, 
really were incubated uh, in the corporate world, but we wanted to democratize. And in any case, you know, the, where, where action was, was taking place in the big issues was often shifting from the official institutions. Um, and so um, I've been occupied with um, designing courses around this, working with Bill on codifying the methods so that they're in a resource library on, on the web. And um, uh, gradually, uh, in a very quiet, under-the-radar way, building a, um, um, a network of alumni who've been on various courses. And I, I believe I had the pleasure of your company on one of them. I did do one journey with you. Yes, absolutely. Um, and um, and so that's that's some something of a kind of fledgling community now. And it's deliberately slow because we we made it hard for ourselves by saying, well, the values in in our view of the third horizon are very different from the um, dominant corporate world. And so we can't go the route of impact investing and venture capital and enterprise so it's been um uh an amazing sort of um bootstrap operation to um to get stuff going um uh, with very minimal resources the main resource being the incredible goodwill and um contribution of um of the participants um, and with the COVID impact, of course, we were forced to start doing it online, which wasn't in the original intention. And um, these methods were really not not congruent at all with this medium that we're using right now. But somehow we managed to um, develop ways where... Um, it it it, um, it didn't work the same way, but it did work, and with the enormous advantage, um, which is also reflected in our conversation right now, of be- becoming uh, global and international. Um, so from California to New Zealand, so um, that's something we wouldn't have got to if we'd stuck in the kind of pre-COVID, pre-digital era. It was an emergent property. Yeah. It was sort of, you know, necessity is the mother of invention yeah. and yeah, so on. Absolutely. Now on the on the back of that I'd been doing research and published about a dozen papers on, on futures methods and thinking. And um of course, um uh um that was really a follow through from from the book and the PhD, and then um, then I got more and more interested in the human factors as being uh, uh, something that um, I'd had a parallel life on that, and I thought I'd better bring my two lives together and see what I can make of it while I'm still around. So uh... <laughs> nice. Well, I would like to 
find another time to dive into the human factors with you and to actually talk about your very latest book, which really dives into that. But the purpose of this conversation today was, in addition to the two of us just getting a chance to catch up, to actually catch up on on the work a little bit. Um, I think we're long overdue in talking about a book called Ready for Anything, Designing Resilience for a Transforming World. It's been out for a while. Um, I've got the second edition that that uh, was published in 2021. And really, we should have talked about this sooner. I think it is a book that's very relevant to our time and um, is, is absolutely um, a great framing for the work that we need to do uh, collectively, uh, maybe how we think about uh, resilience and, and readying ourselves for the work individually and our own personal contributions. And um, I'm guessing um, is a really good um, lead in to your most recent book again. And, and if you feel um, any way to uh, bring that newest book that's only been out maybe four or five months um, into this conversation, please feel free. But I am really excited to talk to you about Ready for Anything. Um, does that sound okay? Yeah. <clears throat> well, the, the key... The key idea behind Ready for Anything was that um, in a culture which is really, even now, um, remarkably ignorant of um, systems thinking, that um, readiness and resilience um, are difficult without that different mental framing and different uh, way of looking at the world. And so, um, uh, partly inspired by the, the um, quite a while back, by the Club of Rome and, and uh, later by um, uh, Bucky Fuller's World Game and, and so on, um, we thought it would be great to have um, a way in which the primary uh, factors or variables of, of, of life were actually brought together and could be looked at as a whole pattern in a way that was potentially recursive, you know, from the family right through to the whole planet. And um, that really led us into um, into some cybernetics as well, and the and the idea of requisite variety. You know, what what is the the minimum requisite variety to have a way of approaching the big issues that tends to take um, the main things we value into account. And so, in essence, it becomes very simple, Um, you know, um, uh, food, um, water, air, um, habitat, um, community, ways of of, 
taking decisions, um, governance. Um, and uh, so we, we boiled it down to 12. Now, when we were introducing this, of course, a frequently recurring question was why 12? And um, there is some theory behind it, but it's not not well known. So the, the, the other reason behind that was a very simple analog one. If you want to get people to pay attention to a complex whole, then um, a useful metaphor is a clock face. We're, we're used to looking at um, 12 in the round. So at least at the subconscious level, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of familiar. And um, the other factor is that if, if you, if you, um, if you just look at the statistics of, um, of things being joined up in a pattern, if you put um, 12 items uh, around a circle and join them all together, each one is connected to 11 others. And so it, uh, in a, in a two dimensional plane, um, uh, you've got um, uh, uh, 12 into 11 over 2, 66 connections. Now, at the time, with the International Futures Forum, we were doing a project uh, sort of on the sidelines, um, almost under the radar for the uh, British government on... Um, energy security and climate change and um, and uh, we had pretty good access to interview people in different departments and, and there was there was no way that any kind of conversation could be brokered between the people in, interested in climate change and the people interested in energy security. And we're still suffering from that split now, even though there is a department of join it all together. They don't actually do that because they haven't learnt the ways of thinking. Now, that's very complex to get into um, operation. I mean, the original vision was this is a great way to do complex projects. You know, we 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 um, um, where uh, usually only two or three of those factors are taken into account, and the others are the ones which uh, um, frustrate it or or um, cause it to fail. Um, so um, we began to experiment with it as a game, and that led to the. Um, developing the IFF world game. And so we, we ran games with um, uh, concerned citizen groups in cities. We even did two in San Francisco. Um, 
uh, around the Bush administration time of, of um, how, how would uh, San Franciscans like to run America if they were in charge and stuff like that. Um, we've also did work with it, you know, for a health service on if you place obesity as a complex problem in the middle of the world model and then look at the different impacts. And we also put into the game some scenario planning, some, some ideas that multiple combinations make it a very rich area to look at alternative ways in which the patterns come out. So, um, so it was informed by systems thinking, but I realized later on, um, having uh, done a few sort of workshops and seminars uh, on the approach as distinct from running the game, that, um, that actually what we were doing was introducing a mental model that if you, if you look at um, uh, uh, you know uh, say Stafford Beer's viable systems model you you, you can you can um, you can go up to the the meta system and then inside the meta system is the mental model of the managers who are in the meta system and so this was a, a different way of having a mental model um and um the um the analogy really was uh the 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 world model was uh, our world model was more like a mandala than a, than a system model right yeah it yeah, was, yeah it looks it, like a mandala it, it was a parallel a parallel um, uh, and, and Bill and I worked on on the whole idea of pattern dynamics as as being um, you know bigger than systems thinking. The systems thinking became a subset of um, of pattern dynamics. And then the other factor was participation, uh, Kevin. That um, you know how, do, how you, people need to own. And have have shared possession of the way they're looking at the world if they're going to effectively work together, and that's a tough one. So the game also had the value of being participative in the game, but in terms of a, a, a real project, um, it also implied that um, that people would have to would need to together do the creative thinking that led them to have a new insight. So the world model itself was not so much the framing as the meta framing to help people find a new frame. And that was all looking mm -hmm. very promising. And then COVID hit and you weren't allowed to be in the same room to play games. Right. Well, in the photographs in, in the book, and, and by the way, I'll, I'll, I'll just say um, that I will um, include a link in the blog that accompanies the, the produced version of this, of this podcast. 
so that people can can see what we're talking about. Um, but you know, really, just imagine uh, if, if you're listening to this, just imagine you know these these twelve um, elements, or, or um, you call them uh, what are they? Components. Well, I suppose va- variables would be uh, uh, you know the. the, the... Critical variables, yeah, yeah, and and they are just 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 quickly: uh, climate, energy, water, wealth, governance, food, well-being, community, trade, habitat, biosphere, and worldview. Um, but what I was going to say, you know, there are some photographs in the book of 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 people engaging with the with the model in in these games, right, where they're actually they may be holding strings to create those connections across the different variables um and and that's how they sort of engage with the in the model in a in-person facilitative way yes that you you your your um the 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 game gives you permission to do some enacting of the model so that people are people are sort of engaged in 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 the position they're taking in a in a demonstrable sure. way, yeah. And, and um, you know, if I think about what would bring a group um, like some of your clients or, or or students together to engage with it in the in the first place, it I'm I'm reminded of you know some of the the problems in in the in the book setup that that you describe. Um, basically, uh, you're, you're talking about these challenges. Uh, you mentioned, you know, we are already over the planet's limits and the trends are not reversing. And this presents us with a threefold challenge that you kind of lay out there. Um, and that this model, you know, as a, as a way of sort of looking at it and just as a very beginning of, of, of tackling uh, and understanding the, the challenges, um, do you want to talk about some of those those challenges that I, I guess led you to 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 create this and work with um, the group in the in the first place? Yeah, well, um, I mentioned health earlier. Um, the um, the approach was used, uh, for example by the Scottish Health Protection Commission to to anticipate uh, future public health issues like pandemics. Um, And um, it was an experiment um, uh, introduced by a a courageous director of public health, and um, and it showed how difficult it was to get the medical specialists in 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 the same mental space, you know. So so the 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 biologically oriented one thought pandemics were all about bugs and viruses, you know. Um, the more public health oriented ones were about the social conditions and 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 the politics and and so the 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 world model challenged people to take all those into account um, and um, 
I can't say that Scotland was any more ready than anyone else as a result of that. But it was interesting that the uh, my colleague Graham Lester, uh, the director of IFF, um, uh, about I think it was just just under two years ago, uh, conducted um, a world game with the Scottish government, uh, you know, the officials on um, post-COVID recovery. And it was able to do that with um, co-facilitators, mainly virtually, and compile it all together. So that was quite um, an exercise in, you know, a small country looking at um, the complexities in, in, in a whole new way. Um, another project which um, is happening with Doncaster City is um, the, the using the, the model as a framing to develop resilient communities. Oh, the one one in particular which was, you know, po- poorly performing that they wanted to really upgrade. And um, and so that became uh, uh, um, a, a uh, um, the sort of playing field for for project um, development among among other things, in, in, including um, you know uh, straightforward resilience stuff as well. Um, and then, um, for example. Um, We've got one one guy in our network who specialises in active teaching for secondary school kids, and he's done a lot of world games with them with that age group to great effect uh, in in, um, in in the Far East as well as in in Europe. Um, so all of all of these are very small sort of samples of um, you know one swallow doesn't make a summer but it gives you some hope <laughs> that, that some of the birds make it. Um, so we're still at a at a pretty. Um, early stage of, of, of it being taken up. Um, but it seems like, you know, what we've learned and, and you hear this, um, I think even in the popular vernacular is that um, if, if, if COVID has taught us anything, it's that um, it's a systemic problem. Um, when you mentioned the the fellow that would look at a, a, a pandemic as it's about bugs and viruses, um, it, it seems that, uh, you know, um, I'm, I'm just thinking of something in the book that uh, that you call out just in terms of our reductionist mode of, of, of thinking, where we just kind of look at at, at one thing and and we we just attempt to go fix the the, the one thing um, and I think that um, obviously uh, that's been one aspect of 
how we've tackled, you know, it's been, been scientists and, and incredible um, innovation on the uh, biological front that have helped us um, create vaccines. Um, but in terms of the rollout of, roll out of vaccines and the cultural acceptance and, you know, we've, without getting into it, we've all seen very interesting reactions a- across uh, many parts of the globe, um, which point to very interesting uh, dynamics that go beyond the, the biological realm uh, in terms of how we look at the problem. Yeah. The, 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 the um, if you, if you use the, um, the world model as an anticipatory tool, you should be alerted to these things, you know, right at the beginning. Um, that, um, that, uh, for example, um, the the kind of horrific stories of um, uh, elderly relatives dying in care homes without any contact with their family and loved ones and so on um, is is you know that 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 um, the, the reductionist approach assumes a massive trade-off where you're sacrificing um, the human factors for the biological factors. Now, obviously, um, if you ignore the biological factors and just look at the human factors, that's not going to help either. That's why it's a systemic problem. How do you actually um, uh, create... um, uh, I don't know how to put it, something like fuzzy systems which enable discretion to be operated at different levels. And again, that's a that's a cultural problem because everybody wants certainty and the and and they want the one thing that'll fix it all. You know, we'll vote for the people who've got the claim to have the answer. Um so so um um the acceptance factor is is also to do with with the education um, uh, that that uh, that you know we have we have a, a a culture which is uneducated in in this kind of holistic joined up thinking and um, you know it, it's it's great to see in many places what's being done with 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 young kids now. That hopefully will will augurs well for um, you know twenty thirty years time, but um, yeah. we you bring some concepts. Um, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I'm excited no. to talk about the um, the idea of, and I remember from our last conversation a few years ago. Uh, you know, a lot of uh, what you talked about drew on um, anticipatory systems. Um, and in this book, you you uh, say something about um, the future not being 
uh, possibility at some future time, uh, but as an assertion in the present of the way things might be caused to unfold. And just a few minutes ago, you said, you know, as we engage with something like the world system model, um, you know, and we put that into the the the, the center. May, maybe as we start to um, understand the connections between these different these sixty six, as you said, connections that that occur across all of these these variables, um, that the future um, ought not to be a surprising thing. It, it, it's something that that can be anticipated uh, as we start to look at the dynamics in the in the system. Yeah, I mean, I was uh, slightly amused to see in um, some um, report a few days ago um, uh, when it came out that this was the hottest year and the um, the graph had gone way up on the right-hand side, climate scientists saying, this is this is surprising. I can't possibly, you know, can't can't understand this. And you know, twenty years ago, um, the idea of um, the discontinuous effect of feedback loops was 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 well known. <laughs> but you know, I thought well, there are all these climate scientists who haven't got systems thinking, you know. This is an, a, a, an example because I could have told you that. It's not, it's not rocket science to explain that. Well, and I think that, that it's also interesting as we start to see um, the models not necessarily accounting for the unanticipated knockdown effects. Um, and you know, not you know, we 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 stand to to really err in terms of our modeling when we don't take a, a systems based approach that that considers all of the other effects of you know w when we when we take one action or or fail to take a certain action, there are unanticipated uh, consequences. You know, a term that we use a lot in in the system yeah. system dialogue. Yeah, um, I think there's a positive side to this too that um, needs bringing out. That um, which is also one of the hopes for the um, the use of this kind of technique is um, innovation often happens because unconnected things, some bodies join together mentally or entrepreneurially or however and um, it creates new possibilities new opportunities new scope for action so although it's it, it's harder and more difficult to bring it all together and try and hold it in one place the other side of that is the possibility that it sparks whole, a whole different type of insight um which um you know is is the uh is the classic chinese medicine in a way of, you know it just needs a few pins stuck in here and there and the whole system will uh, will 
will correct itself. But yeah, and well, and, and now uh, you make me think of uh, you know what you say in the book around the opportunity in in the challenge, and then this this idea of resilience. Um, the subtitle is designing resilience for a transforming world. And I just kind of wonder, is, is that the same as designing for resilience or is, is designing res- resilience like an, an interesting nuance? Like, can we, can we design this resilience that you're talking about? Yeah, I think, I think increasingly since um, the book first came out, um, more and more work is being done on the idea of intentionally setting up for resilience. That it's it's um, um, it's possible for it to be a more inherent property of a system or a complex of systems. Uh, one of the leading um, proponents of this is a, an, an old friend of mine, Daniel Wahl, wrote a book called Designing uh, Regenerative Cultures. And he, he included the world model and one or two other of our H3Uni things in his um, in his book. Um, and so, um, I mean, there's an outfit called Regenesis in, uh, based in, in the USA that is uh, uh, majoring on, 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 on this idea of... of of um, having certain key principles, they're equivalent of the world model, if you like. It's different, but it plays a similar role. And using that as a kind of bottom-up discovery process with the communities that need to... um, uh, to prepare or get better at it um, uh, so that the the um, the participants well the the subjects as it were are also participants that they're creating their own um, capacity for, for for resilience I think that's that's a, a very strongly developing trend now um, and I like your um, your phrase uh, to be ready for anything without planning for everything. To be ready for anything without planning for everything. I'll put the emphasis on those words. Yeah, that's 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 obviously partly comes out of my um, skirmish over the decades with the corporate world. Um, that that. Um, I think it was I think it was Henry Mintzberg, wasn't it, who, who who beat the drum some decades ago now on on the, um, emergent strategies that 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 um, the the um, if if you're if you're um, fit and you've got good balance you may not ever have um, 
sailed in a yacht in a storm before, but you're going to have much more innate capacity to stay on the deck and, you know, hold on to the ropes and so on than than if you hadn't got that. So there's a sort of um, um, uh, the design element is is what what are the systems which are... um, are uh, adaptable to to circumstances which can't necessarily be foreseen. Mm. So um, developing those capacities really, you know, are are the best bet. You know, and, and we, we we can't anticipate everything, but with with these capacities, you know, these these muscles, yeah, uh, I, or at least, yeah. I mean, if 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 we if we look at the global system as a uh, a gigantic, super complex adaptive system with vast numbers of emergent properties not yet emerged. We've never been there before. Well, on the whole, you 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 can only plan for something where you know what it is. You can plan to build a house. Uh, apparently, in this country, you can't plan to build. A high-speed rail link, because you're not taking into account enough of the factors. Oh, there's a, there's another project that um, might draw this model in, which is um, a project in in England in um, on on food security, which is an interesting area for this kind of um, model and methodology to contribute. Um, because it's it's inherently complex. I mean, if you if you just look at it as supply chains of tomatoes, um, you know it's not going to work. Um, and, and food security goes right through to how 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 are children getting fed and where's their food come from, you know, and and how does agribusiness factor into that and so on. Um, uh, so my my hope was that this would have been taken up by now, and there'd be different schools of thought around how this sort of approach is adaptable to different contexts. Um, uh, but I guess things definitely seeing mo- you know models like even um, um, you know, just you know, some of the more you know to use Daniel's um, uh, language, the regenerative models, uh, you know, even in business models uh, and and business planning, um, there there seems to be a kind of a, a healthier um, appetite and energy around it, which to me does kind of re- reflect this a little bit. Um, and uh, so, you know, I, I do see some signs of it kind of catching on in, in to address certain problems. But but I would agree with you, not not fast enough. Um, you did say I, a couple more things before we, we wrap up that I, I want to get to. One is is a statement that you uh, make about the world system model occupying the interface between external systems and internal mental models. And I just wondered if, if you know, I, I, I think in, from your last book too, I, I, I sort of felt like that's an area that, that you go to um, 
quite a bit. And then maybe that's also a, a good setup a little bit for your newest book. And I'd like you to maybe just share the title of your newest book and a little bit about what it's about, because we're going to come back and we're going to have another conversation in the not too distant future um, about that one, too. Yeah, well, um, how can I put this? Um, just because there might be a better way of looking at things, better possibilities of mental models, um, doesn't mean to say they actually happen in people. The 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 the, uh, the the way the one way I like to put this is is that we're actually um, as the, hu humanity is is infested with pathological worldviews. What do I mean by pathological worldview? I mean a view that if you have it you will run into reality and um, and it, it what you what you believe you're doing isn't happening or it won't work um, unfortunately there's another layer that makes it even worse which is the psychological mechanism of denial um, which we can see going on, per, per, especially in the political arena, but it's happening from families right up to the whole society. And so unless we have methods for um, uh, loosening up the way that we harness our intelligence, the way that we, we cultivate creativity, then the kinds of methods that may be much more suitable for this um, very complex emergent globe simply won't take. Now, one of the big sources of this other kind of learning, let's call it, is particularly Eastern spiritual traditions, but also some in the West to a lesser extent. And, um, and yet they're, they're clothed in cultural barriers and mystery and confusion. You know, like um, to do Zen, you have to have a black cloak or um, to um, to learn from Sufism, you've got to um, uh, go and live in a, in a, a Sufi community or, or, or um, if, 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 if some gurus have really got something, you've still got to sit around for years in an ashram. There's all these sort of cultural um, and cultured layer around what to, to me is, is a fundamental cosmic property like gravity, 
or uh, black holes or or or, or any, anything else that that there is something about us humans which is for real if only we could get ourselves to focus on it so being who you really are is a kind of a, a bit of a uh, 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 oh, there's no point. Uh, it's a bit of a kind of um, dig at the self-help books, uh, psychological self-help books, saying, "Well, how how do you know who you really are?" And of course, in in the prevailing culture, uh, if there's a question like "Who am I really?", then somebody's got to have an answer. Whereas, actually. Who you really are is a process. As Chogyam Trungpa put it, um, you know, uh, the, the spiritual materialism is having a goal, but actually now is the process of, of doing the work. So since I had the... I realized with hindsight the privilege of being schooled in the Gurdjieff work, uh, working closely with Bennett, um, learning Taoist yoga, learning other forms of, of, of yoga. I don't mean the, the asana stuff, I mean the, the inner stuff. Um, and I've, I've had some remarkable advisors or mentors or teachers um i should sort of put my book where my mouth is and and um try and sum all this up and the tool which links back to the systems thinking the mental model for that i, I realize uh, over the years is is um The key tool is is the Enneagram, and the Enneagram has got encultured with personality cult and um, all kinds of stuff. But I'm not sure that's actually where it came from when it came into Gurdjieff's hands. Um, I suspect there was a much deeper, more authentic source. So I've I stopped my neck out. So, you know I'm. Being in my mid mid eighties, I mean, why should I care? You know, if, if, if some people find it helpful, which they do, I've already had some good reports from uh, people that it's, it's changed the way they uh, they actually experience things, not just think about them. Um, and the idea is, it's it's a, it's a little book, and it's like a little handbook. It's and being uh, who you really are. Yeah, being and, who you really are. And the subtitle is Practicing the Sevenfold Work. So the idea is that, um, a bit like the world model, you, you, it's no use just having one line of work like mindfulness or diet or um, group work or whatever. You, you, there are seven aspects some of which are active and some of which are receptive and um uh you find it similar you could you could, you could probably map patanjali's yoga sutra on 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 onto 
the scheme I've got here. I mean, because I've drawn a lot on on that uh, that tradition. Um, and uh, essentially, it's it's also um, I guess a plea for a common humanity that that uh, that we're um, our differences are all all part of the illusion. Yeah, and building that resilience that you that you that you talk about in in ready for anything um, really yeah, requires I mean, this work. Requires this work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's um, I found you know personally. Um, over the last um, two or three years, that I, I, I couldn't continue my practices with my health condition. Does that mean I'm stuck? No. The 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 the, the model suggests there are, there are other ways of, you know, using your predicament as part of the the process. What uh, what Tibetans call skillful means. So, um, so I'm going to give a a webinar on that on the 31st of October. It's advertised on the H3 Uni website. Okay, good. Well, we'll try to get this uh, this podcast conversation published before then, um, so that you you are speaking into the future we're not in some future place speaking about a webinar that is about to happen but has probably already happened so that's on me that would be great otherwise you could edit that bit out (laughs) okay that sounds good well we should probably wrap it up tony as always it's been uh fantastic speaking with you today thank you so much for for joining me here on systems and cybernetics okay well it's um it's good to catch up with you and uh as ever talking with you, I have to rethink what it is I'm thinking about, which is always good. It's always a good thing to do that. Well, again, thank you. This is Kevin Lindsay. You've been listening to my conversation with Anthony Hodgson, author of of several books. We got a twofer today, actually, because we talked a little bit about uh, another book, but we've been talking mainly about Ready for Anything, Designing Resilience for a Transforming World. And uh, again, thank you, everybody, for listening, and uh, stay tuned for the next episode.